0: and we back i am excited to bring to you a conversation that i had with larry madden in early september of 2022 uh sitting in his backyard under his cabana drinking a seltzer water uh you can hear the cicadias in the background as we sat under his back lights and had a fun little conversation Larry Madden was the principal of the school that I work at. Uh, he is the human who hired me, um, and he has been in education for over 30 years. Most recently, he was the superintendent for Salt Lake City School District, leading 20,000 plus constituents in the district during some trying times. Uh, During COVID and during all the other turmoil that's going on in the education world right now, Uh, Larry started off as a science teacher and then ended up branching off and starting his own uh, public charter school called Salt Lake Center for Science Education. And this then morphed into a public school that then spread and trickled into the public school district, which then led to the middle school that I'm working at. Uh, The ripples of his leadership and his energy have affected the Salt Lake City School District in ways that are unimaginable, unthinkable. He's a bit of a legend in Utah in the education world. Uh, Specifically, I just... He's one of my role models uh, as far as a teacher, as far as leadership. I really look up to him, and so it was really cool to get to sit down and talk with him and catch up. He is so such an empowering leader. He always leads and acts from a place of love. He doesn't believe there's room for fear in the world. He brings a lightheartedness to life that is so nice to be around and is just, in general, a breath of fresh air to be around, a delight. We talk about lightness in our conversation. We talk about our inner child. We talk about our utopian ideals. We talk about the education system at large. We talk about the -the behind-the-scenes decisions during covid uh, we talk about politics and education. We talk about good leadership, educational reform, state testing, what it means to be human, and everything in between. Uh, you'll hear us mention a couple names of people, colleagues who we work with um, or worked with or key players who are involved in changing the education system in starting the Salt Lake Center for Science Education um so when you hear those names just know those are colleagues of ours or people who we work with. Um anyways, thank you all for listen listening. I'm excited to bring to you Larry Madden. Yo It's Lucas and this is modern is haunted. modern on honored.
1: Yeah, why I wanted to talk to you was, well, you hired me as my first year teaching, and pretty instantly in our interview, I was like, them, them, it was you and Matt, and I had interviewed at 12 other Uh places, and almost instantaneously, I felt even, it was a Zoom interview. Uh Uh-huh. I or maybe even Skype interview. And I was like, them, I want to work there. And you set me up with Diane and we talked on the phone, which was just further. And yeah. Um, but then I got to spend a year with you and then you moved on to the district. But uh, your leadership style was inspirational. Uh, it was, I felt so welcomed. Uh, and... And one thing, actually, I'd like to talk about is, I said this to my mom the other day. I told her I was going to have an interview or, like, a conversation with mm-hmm. you. I was like, Larry walked around the halls as a giddy little seventh grader himself. He he had an... he had. She was like, how old is he? I was like, I don't know. But he had a youth...
2: He's a 67. Okay, yeah. there we go.
1: He had a youthfulness to him. You did. You walked around the halls with a youthfulness and an energy that was uh, ageless. It mm-hmm. was like a seventh mm-hmm. grader. You were okay. And so I see in the world, a lot of adults and a lot of my friends getting married and they're uh-huh. getting in their job and they're, they're losing touch with their inner child uh-huh. with this inner zest for life, mm-hmm. this inner, like whether it's a passion for their job. Yeah. I don't know how long you had been in education for that year that we worked together, but, oh, uh, uh, probably
2: tw- I bet 27, maybe 28 years.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, and you still had it. You had the energy. Uh, and I'm curious, uh, do you still, I mean, I, I feel it now that you still have it. Is that something you've well, always had? Do you have to, like, fight to shed back the forces of society to keep in touch with that? Or how I do you keep in know. touch with it? You
2: know, I don't know. I mean, maybe part part of it might be genetic. My dad was, like, a funny guy. Like, no, well, not necessarily funny, but, like, this is going to sound kind of creepy, but I I, th- I actually thought it was always kind of endearing, but my dad would read the obituaries and just laugh his ass off. And it was like, you know, he's like, oh, you know, that. a courageous battle with cancer, you know, and it's like, it's not about the person. It's more about the kind of um, absurdity of life, right? And so maybe I have a little bit of that. It's like, there are things you could cry about. But you could take those exact same things and just laugh about them because it's so, you know, it's so odd. And for me, it's like I think I think a big part of it is is I I I like people and I like interacting with people. I'm not actually... Uh, I don't think I'm actually an extrovert. I think I'm actually more introverted. Really? I think so, yeah. But I do... I would not. I would... That surprises me. Well, I read this book called Quiet one time. I don't know if you ever read that book. It's about introverts and extroverts. And I feel like I'm maybe more on the introvert side. But I do like interacting with people. And I also like uh, uh, kids. You know, I mean, I think middle school kids, people really don't like them very But kids at 12 and 13 are such weird animals they're not like little children and they're not adults and they do stuff and it's like they say i don't know why i did that and it's like they're not just making an excuse they have no idea why they did that their prefrontal cortex isn't online yeah my arm just shot out and i hit that kid (laughs) and i honest to god don't know why and it's like yeah man i know and so but i always found them uh kind of funny and also nice so like when you were nice to those kids and you uh you could laugh with them maybe that's true with anybody if you can laugh with somebody you are there's a bonding that takes place right and I think it was really true with kids right so making some I don't know that I made much effort to form relationships with them Maybe at, maybe at some point along the way I did, and I got so much positive feedback from that that I reacted to that, and I'm like, "Yeah, man, I like this. This is fun." And and um, so, you know, I just I don't know. I like forming relationships with them. I like teachers. Which
1: you and you and the vice principal were quote the disciplinarians, or at least that's your role. Yeah. However, <laughs> no one saw you as that. I'm sure
2: you never used that word. I don't think there's a lot of discipline required in school. Discipline kind of has a negative context. But, like, to me, everything that happens is a learning experience. And so when a kid does something, they get in a fight or they smoke some weed or, or whatever it is, it's like, hey, they're 12 or 13. This is a chance for them to learn something. And, and, and maybe uh, maybe along with all that, they can also learn something about compassion, because what are kids used to when they screw up a lot of times somebody yelling at them uh and 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 we know that kids that are abused at home like physically abused at home they learn to live with that and then they just roll that's just normal right and so you know to help them understand that like nobody goes through without making mistakes like no one does and when you make a mistake it doesn't. It's not a fatal. They're not. There are very few fatal mistakes. It's like, hey, are you dead right now? All right, there we go. Now let's move forward because because we're in a we're in an okay place. And most kids can kind of respond to that. And um, and I don't think scaring them into uh, positive behavior. I never like that. It's like, why can't we? Uh, negotiate or talk or just work our way around until, well, I kids would do things for me. So, you know, like I could get kids to do things. I could get kids to stop doing things because we had taken the time to build this positive relationship, you know, and maybe the time they did screw up, they were like, well, you even said something nice about me in front of my mom. Uh, so
1: I, I agree with you. What I think actually, now that I think about it, is you, so unique about you, is that everyone says that. <laughs> and probably, every, probably every administrator in the district right now would say exactly what you said. But, the, but when, it, when push comes to shove in the building, it's a different story. Or or maybe that's a question mark. My, my, not, that's
2: interesting. Yeah, and because, you
1: you said what you're saying right now. It's easy for us on this porch to say this right now. Yeah. But you also said it in every faculty meeting. You also said it in every interaction we had. In every interaction, you exuded that dare I call it utopian vision of what school
2: discipline <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, discipline should well, be.
1: And how do you hold on to that? Well, and not how, just it's
2: not just discipline. No, it's like if right, we're gonna whole, do this. Thing. If we're gonna do this, why don't we just do it? Someone has to do it best. Why don't we just let that be us? Right? And, and I don't, you know, like, I don't think we, a lot of the things that I had as part of the vision or whatever, I don't think they came to pass, but I think the goals were always like, yeah, let's, let's make it perfect for every single kid and not just perfect for some kids because schools do that already. Schools are perfect for the kids that are built for school. Right. I mean, You know that are the right color they got the right they got the right support at home or whatever it is they do fine right but there's a bunch of kids that school's not built for and trying to make it work for them so that so that it will benefit them in a way that when they get done with school they will be able to uh i guess i guess the most important thing would be able to enjoy their life more so like i don't care if they go to college uh particularly I'd like them to be prepared and be able to make that choice, but I don't particularly care. I'd just like them to be able to kind of look at the world and say, you know, like, I can solve problems. I can can work with other people. Because, you know, we were a science school, right? Okay, but hopefully what we were was a social justice school, right, that taught kids how to, like, you know, use data, look at the world make decisions on their own, understand that there are very few problems that are black and white and have one correct answer and everything else is wrong. There's not very many things, especially when you get out of school. And so, you know, just trying to help them be able to navigate in that way, I think, was, was kind of more But boring. again,
1: that's easy to say. But, like, what about when a kid brings a knife to school and – or that's an aggressive example that, that <laughs> yeah. happens. Yeah, I do. Uh, but I want to push you on this a little bit. Yeah. Like, okay, so what we're talking about is leadership, which, mm-hmm. okay, you were a leader, literally the leader of the district. You were the superintendent of Salt Lake City School District. You were the leader of our school. You started Salt Lake Center for, for, science, uh, education. <laughs> for science Education. Uh, but we're all leaders, whether it's in our friend yeah. group, as a parent, or whatever. And leadership is easy to talk like this about oh i believe this and i believe (laughs) but okay what about when the state is riding your ass on test scores what about when you got fear from your uh your demographic
2: of parents who are like
1: well my kid or the
2: parents sued us and yeah like you
1: you feel a lot of pressure from outside there was a lot of pressure and you're going against the grain we were going against the grain i felt like you were pretty good at holding not not holding the middle finger up to those forces because that's too adversarial. It wasn't.
2: That wasn't it, what it was. It, it really wasn't what it was. So what I was trying to do was, I mean, my background science, right? And, and I like it, you know, and I like the way the scientific world works and analyzes things to make decisions. And I was trying to take more of that approach. Like I had to, for, first off, what the hell? Is going on when every district is deciding what to do around COVID. Like that struck me as bizarre in the first place. Like, am I, was I prepared to make those decisions? Absolutely not. Nor were the people that made those decisions. None of them were. And so here we are all tossed into this, uh, all tossed into this furnace. And for me, all I could do, well, I learned a lot <laughs> for one thing is, you know, talking to health department people offline. Like on the one-on-one phone calls and things like that, talking to scientists at the University of Utah on the one on the one-on-one offline, they would say, "Yeah, I think you're doing the right thing." This is when we didn't know when the, there'd mm-hmm. be a vaccine. Uh, we, we it, I mean, it looked like it could have been two years till we we're going to have a vaccine, and we had to make this decision, mm-hmm. right? And so when I talked to those people offline, those people that I viewed as experts. Uh, right um you know the epidemiologists uh the health department guys and stuff you know when they're telling me that stuff offline I'm like well then that's what we got to do but what I did find out was everyone lives in a political world so like we don't just take the science read the science and do what where what the science guides us to do it doesn't tell us to do anything but we don't we just don't do that we have to listen to the politicians and what people want and to me like what people wanted seemed like a crazy approach like this is an epidemic that's going to kill people and right and so um so i was taking that information and then making those decisions and yeah it was super hard but back with a to lot of the, pressure on you. with a ton of pressure and there were like i don't know maybe I'm prone to doing things to kind of keep me a little bit mentally healthy too. Like I'd ride my bike to work when I was the superintendent and I'd be up at like five thirty or six riding my bike. And you know what? I'm cruising through Liberty park and it's nice and cool in the morning and it just felt good. Right. And so I, I'd, I'd get that, I'd get that in me. Or I had a, I had a friend at the, uh, at the district office and you know um, we'd, we'd go for a walk. We went for a lot of walks last year and we go get a cup of coffee and not that much different than many other things. Like it was intense. These decisions were, were huge and impacted the whole district. So, I mean, we're impacting like all the kids, all the over 20,000 people. And I don't mean to sound cavalier, but like we'd go out sometimes and get a cup of coffee and I would just laugh about it. It's like, dude, now the parents are suing us. I mean, like, and it's like, (laughs) I've never been sued before. I don't yeah. even. I don't even Did you get sued. His parents took us to court. Oh. I had to go oh. to court. Yeah, I went to court. The funniest thing on the court thing. <laughs> yeah. So I come. Everything was on Zoom then, right? Yeah. So I got to go to court and testify. And so I sit down and I'm looking at the thing, and they're getting all ready with the, for court and everything on Zoom. And I see all the people, and it's like, oh, damn. I need a tie. I was like, I don't like to wear a tie because it's tight around my neck. I've never liked that. I just don't. I don't enjoy a tie, and I didn't have a tie. So I, I, I texted a friend and I'm like, "Hey, go to the business administrator's office and get his tie and bring it to me." So he went and got his tie, brought it to me. I slipped it over my head, pulled it up tight, and I looked like, (laughs) you know, then I looked like a professional. But um,
1: that's so good. uh,
2: But but like, how? But
1: okay, so like, that's huge. I like. I just see so many leaders and leadership in our in in life. Yeah, take take your time. I think what we got. Is, I think we got this. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Oh, nice. Oh. Oh, look at that. Oh, oh that's great. Oh. We got a nice sunset too. Yeah. Um. It's just hard when push comes to shove. Even at our school last year, mm-hmm. I commend our administration. Now that you're gone, I thought they did an amazing job. Yeah. last year, but they were receiving heat and also heat from some of the from some of the teachers of like of this same mentality you bring uh-huh. to discipline and I'm just using I'm just focusing yeah. on discipline just as like yeah. to zoom out as the whole thing. Why is this like, kid not getting
2: punished? Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. Why is he not getting punished? It's like not seeing the bigger picture, Mm -hmm. but there was a lot of heat on our admin last year to like do something about that. And I was proud of them for sticking to philosophically the bigger picture. Um, But, but that's hard. And it's so super hard I'm curious strategies that you used or like, how did you stick to that? And with test scores, like Bryant didn't always, so like see Bryant didn't always have the best mm-hmm. test scores, but how oh. did you deal with that from the district? Well, <laughs> and then lastly, uh, so that lastly, did you ever study leadership? So take any of those.
2: Okay. I would say study leadership, not, or, so, not not really.
1: Or, like, what's your leadership I mean, philosophy? Or how did you develop? How did you I develop it. Right, right like, I, I developed it. Uh, how did you grow into being uh, what I would I consider I a good kinda leader? I guess I kind of like to
2: I'm, I'm pretty observant and pay attention. And I think it was almost more for me, like, I think this works, right? So let's, I, I, maybe, no, it's something different than that. Because even when we started. What were you reading leadership books? Reading I hate them. They're so boring. I mean, like, they're so – education books, for the most part, are – maybe they're kind of good and kind of informative, but they should be pamphlets and not books. Like, they're too long, and and um, there's too many people trying to sell things. Like, they're trying to sell a philosophy or sell a way of doing it. And the problem is I don't think that works. Like, every school is unique. And within that school, you have this student body. You have this group of teachers that are unique from any other group of teachers, and you have to roll with that. And so, when I, it was you know you said this earlier, like the utopia, and I, I guess I guess that part's the part that's maybe been ingrained because I remember when we started the Salt Lake Center for Science Education, I told all the people, like I said I want you to view this whole thing as if you could do anything that you wanted to, if it was good for kids, like you do like, forget about all the things that you believe are restrictions put upon you by the system. Like what if you could just air it out and do what's good for kids? And I believe, if I believe that you can do that, and if you have the skills to do that, then why would I try to hold you back from doing that? Right. And so I was just trying to always encourage them to say, like, I'd say, I'd say stuff like, you know, look, erase your educational brain. Okay, now, what if we could step back? And, and we and you know, the thing is, like, we made some steps. We never stepped way back. Like, the school still had bells. We still had periods. We still had kids sitting mostly in rows. Like, I don't think that that's necessarily – I don't think those things are important. We didn't figure out how to we – we didn't figure out how to un, undo those things, Right. And, uh, you know, somebody smarter than me probably could, but like, um, we did what we as a group could do to try to make it a little more engaging and equitable for kids, you know? Yeah. So, and that's, and that's still
1: trickling over. Yeah. And it's interesting. I would say uh, that the school Slixey Bryant, Slixey High School are two of the more, or maybe most progressive public schools in the district. Oh, I think so. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I think so, too. I think I don't think very many people know it.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, I, I mean, right. I would actually say I fully feel that, but I, I haven't been in the other school, so I don't know. Yeah. You have.
2: Yeah. But still, we're traditional. Right. Well, and <laughs> well, it turns out to be a lot harder than you think it's going to be at the start. Right. So because, what were you bumping into? Well, on, like, and, I mean, I th- I'm, I'm thinking, okay, here we go. We open up this school. We, we had some money to get things started. We get all the right people, and then we just kind of rock this thing. Well, that was kind of naive in a way. There is life that happens for each individual on the team, right? So, like, someone has a baby. Someone's someone's husband gets a job in a different state. I mean, like, the continuity from year to year got to be uh, kind of a uh, something real. Yeah. You know, like trying to maintain continuity and then to uh, – to bring new people into the fold. That was super tricky Mm. because, you know, there would be people that would gravitate to it. So when we hired people, I think maybe this part's important. What we, what we tried to do, what I tried to do over there was hire people. So we would ask them things like, what do you like to do aside from school? Like what makes you interesting? Uh, What are you reading? You know, like just anything to try to find out, get them talking. I guess that's the thing, right? You just to get them talking, but to find out what kind of person they were, most of the content is pretty accessible. Like if someone's got a degree in English, they're probably good enough content-wise. Someone got a degree in biology, they're probably good enough content-wise. So like, are are they a person that's interested in the world around them, right? And are they a person that wants to try to do something big or whatever, or are they just, are these flat out fun because that works with kids too. Right. And so it was super interesting. Like at let see, we had quite a bit of turnover in the first four or five years, but <clears throat> some people would come in like the social study, you know, Kelly Hawkinson, right? Yeah, I mean, Kelly came in and she was immediately part of the team. Like yep. she came in and just sort of embraced it all and became fundamental herself. Like yeah. I would say she was, I say she's crucial. Well, Why? Cause she made herself crucial. I mean, Nikki's crucial. Why? Cause she makes her, I mean, Jason and Steve, and, uh-huh. you know, I mean, like all of Liz Morris, all of these people make themselves, uh, Shay. I mean, I, I, I just need to, I would need to <laughs> name all, all them. of them. Yeah. I, I mean, all those people that have been, they, I don't, it's to say they bought into it. I think is not quite right. They kind of felt it. And they they bonded with the other people really quickly. They bonded with the other teachers really quickly. They bonded with kids and held kids accountable really, really in kind ways really quickly. Mm-hmm. And and they just kind of found a place where I think they felt I don't want to say comfortable because I don't think anybody is I don't think anybody was comfortable ever. I think they yeah. were all just like on edge, just trying to get this thing done in a way that it wasn't getting done. Mm-hmm. You know. And that's not that comfortable, right? Yeah. I mean, if we're striving for comfortable, then you know, be a checker. Yeah. You know, you can check people out or whatever, and that's fine. <laughs> Drive a bus, or I mean, that's which is fine. Yeah. Nothing wrong with those things, but like, and know, so so every
1: every all the humans you just mentioned the the skills you just mentioned and the people who were integral to this team, you're talking about their human skills, their soft right. skills, their that's social right. skills. Their, that's what we are. Right. Totally. And, that's totally what we are. I mean, because come on. That's
2: what matters, or that's the important part. Well, we and tr- we've tried and failed the other way. So there was a thing called alternative route to licensure, and mm-hmm. there are still other ways. People can get in and become a teacher without – I mean, they're, they're even talking about, now I'm not even having a degree in co- from college. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> holy smokes, that's unbelievable. Okay, but anyway – What do you think about that? I Well, what I think is – it, it, it's very, very tricky because I saw so many people come on this alternative route to licensure where it was like, Oh, I've got a degree in physics. Uh, I'm, I've got a, I've got a PhD in physics. Okay. And I don't want to work in a lab, whatever. So I think I want to be a teacher. And they would say, Okay, you can be a teacher, find a job and then we'll put you on this program. Well, they'd come in and three weeks later, they'd quit. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they had no. Skill set in place to work with kids that were going to push back. And they thought, everyone, this kids, it's not their, like, I like the fact that kids don't sit down and say, fill me with knowledge, right? I like the fact that they're like, let's see what we can get away with on this dude. Yeah. This dude seems soft. We can work him, right? And so, and, and, and you know, we, you were probably like that when you were in middle school. Yeah, but like you don't, that. and nobody, there ends up being, if if the person reacts wrong and a lot of times these people did there would be no mutual respect built and then the thing would just crumble and and the person would hate the work would not like the kids and would leave and so i think it's i think it's not a good idea i don't know that the way we prepare teachers now is the best we can do i think we could do it a little differently but i understand also that like departments of education at colleges you know they have to be accredited, and so they got to jump through all these hoops and stuff like that. And I think this, i think a lot of those things are a bit antiquated. I think there are ways we could work with people. And I, a perfect example of when it did work was Sydney, uh, but Sydney wasn't like, oh, I got a P-. she's had a PhD in biology, but she wasn't. I got a PhD in biology. I think I want to teach. She'd spent a whole bunch of time in schools, and so she knew what she was. She had a she didn't know, she had a sense of what she was getting into, and. And then she came in whole hog and yeah. it worked out. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it did, but a lot of times those things didn't. So again, it's the soft skills that yeah. are,
1: uh, yeah, we, we could say more important, but what you need both. Yeah. So, and I would extrapolate that too, to even to any field. Like if you, we have the brains capable of learning the hard skills, yeah. barring maybe a surgeon uh-huh. Uh, to learn the hard skills to where really when it comes down to it, what matters is how you relate to the people right. in your office, right. how you make people feel around you. Are you a team player? Are you creative? Yeah. Are you like, you
2: go, you go into a restaurant exactly, and, and, and people are uh, kind and you know, uh, they hit it just right. And it's like, these people are awesome. I love this yes. place. Right. Or like, I love this coffee shop. Yes. People are so cool here. I'm going back here. Yes. And it's because they have really good soft skills. Okay. Right. And so you
1: and I see that. I, most people, I don't know, most people I feel like see that yet. I'm telling like as progressive as Slicksy Bryant is and Slixy, or I can't speak for the high school as Slicksy yeah. Bryant is, and we're the one of the most or the most in the progressive in the district, we are still skewed heavy towards content. we are still transmitting information knowledge in an age where at the click of a button in this device in their phone in their pocket, they have access to that. Yeah.
2: Uh, I've said that a thousand times. We're still doing it. Why are we teaching? But you have to teach some content, right? I mean, I think particularly in math, people have to learn some skills in a, in a somewhat sequential way. Same thing. I think in language arts, there are skills to learn in a somewhat sequential way. Uh, but then in science, I think the sequential thing learning should be more around scientific method and how we approach problems, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I don't think it's that important, the content. And so, um, but because many of these kids aren't going to be scientists and many, you know, like they're not going to be what you are teaching them. They're going to be a human in the world and they're going to have to solve problems that they're going to, that they're going to have to do. They are going to have to solve problems. They're going to have to analyze situations. They're going to have to try to be able to see things from, from different points of view. Maybe I got to see it from your point of view and someone else's point of view uh, to kind of evaluate things and be a, be a rational adult, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think the content is, um, I think it's, I think the system is like you say, I think it's antiquated in, in the big picture uh, because it's, it's not anywhere near different enough from 1950. It's right. very, very similar. But, the, but, the, but with the digital age, it has changed so, it's so different than it was 10 years ago. And we're still, you know, teaching content and telling kids to get off their phones. and Like, yeah. you know, I mean, there are things, you know, we, we just got to do, just got to do a better job of so moving weird. forward. But those are big things. Yeah. So those are things beyond a lot of our control. Those are things beyond a school's control. And they are also things beyond a district's control. Yeah. Right. These things are, and, <laughs> right. they're, and and many of these things are beyond the state's control. They are, you know, they're federally mandated things. If you want to get these federal dollars, you will do X, Y, Z. And everybody wants those dollars. So they do X, Y, Z. Sometimes, I actually think sometimes, you know, there's been things along the way where it's like, you know what? Why don't you keep those dollars, right? I mean, you can't do that all the time, but you can do it sometimes. Yeah. You can say, you hang on to those bucks, and, and we're going to go ahead and do it right, you uh-huh. know? So
1: what do you – so I'm – I mean, I saw you as an education reformist. I don't know if you like – whatever. that. I don't know if really you think about it. Right, but... exactly. Uh, but it's something that I'm – I'm just interested in the big picture. I'm not yeah. like, oh, I'm an education reformist. But I just see – I see it, and I want it to be better because – it's fun for me to think about it and to do it and to make yeah. my class better. Uh, and the question is, how do we make it better? <laughs> I mean, well, you I took think... the route of starting your own public charter, uh, but mm-hmm. then trickled into the public school system. Yeah, and you kind of took a grassroots, bottom up, wouldn't you say? I would say. But then you ended I... at the top. You were well, I did. Superintendent at but the I top. Guess, like, so I,
2: maybe that's I how think do that... we change it? But or... this is the important point, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like you have access to uh, quite a few students every year. Right. And so what you can change and do for them, that's what you can do right now. Right. And so then at some point along the way, I mean, I never aspired to be an administrator. It just kind of happened. And uh, cool. and, you know, when it happened, I thought, OK. I really like working with kids. I'm still working with kids. It's just a little bit different. And so I just took a little bit different approach and still tried to embrace that work with kids. But then you realize, OK, I can impact the a little bit bigger picture here, but I'm not saying that I'm not saying, and I wouldn't encourage everybody to say like, if you really want to change the system, you got to climb the ladder to change the system. That's just kind of what happened. Yeah. But it wasn't a goal. So the goal was to change it at the level that I was at. Like when I was a teacher in the classroom, I tried to change how I conducted that classroom and how I dealt with kids and relationships and things like that to make it more equitable And so then when I was an administrator, I tried to get teachers to do that and wasn't always successful. I mean, you know, sometimes yes, sometimes no, but, um, tried to kind of get others to the most important thing, tried to get the people that I hired to feel ownership in the work, because when you feel like it's your work, then you're going to do whatever you can to be successful. But if I keep owning it all and I tell you everything to do and when to do it and how to do it, then it's like I go to work. They tell me what to do. I do it. I go home. Right. But that I mean, so we didn't do that. We didn't like kind of coddle people or, or, or work them along in that way. And that was a big learning thing for me because I had visions of how I thought everyone should do the work and they didn't do it that way. And so what I had to quickly realize was it, what's the most important thing here? And the most important thing, well, I don't know what the most important thing was, but what turned out to be a really important thing was, at least I felt, was for them to feel ownership was more important for them for for the system than it was for them to do what I hoped that they would do, right? And so when they that took takes guts from you
1: that a lot well, it's of hard. leaders, yeah, yeah, it's because hard. when it's not going how you want and you see like, oh my god, this one tweak could like, oh, or if I just that yeah. takes guts for you to be able to absorb that. That I see a lot of leaders not at our school. I, well, I but just yeah, in general, I mean, I'd, eat,
2: I'd eat a little bit on that, you know, because I mean, <laughs> and, and but you know what? <laughs> then I got to out. I mean, the outcomes were good, right? And so then it's like, but probably not short term. Well, but, a lot of times, no, on the short term, but uh, but yes, on the long term. And so, but but and the, and the system always evaluates itself uh, short term right and so so people would say well that doesn't that doesn't work that's not working and it's like well you know what people come to work they they're happy kids are happy uh kids are treating each other kindly you know what i think it's working because the numbers are honestly how often do the numbers mean anything because look you got you you're, you throw all these schools in together you evaluate them in the same way based on these standardized tests and You make, there's no accommodation for the fact that a lot of these kids are English language learners, but that's one little piece of this puzzle. A lot of these kids have all kinds of different experiences and things they bring to school. They might be the whitest little kid that looks just like the, they should be crushing and they might not be. And there might be some reason for that, right? They might have test anxiety for real and, and like, and they then they bomb the the end of level tests and the school looks bad. Well, who the hell cares? So I spent a lot of time trying to get people to say, like, don't well, I'll do tell you not can- beat yourself up over the end-of-level test. Get do everything we can to get the kids ready. Prepare them for the test. Teach them how to do that. Right? I mean, that's a disservice to kids to say, I'm not going to care about it at all. Because they have to do it. And, 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 you know, the thing is they, they go in and they take the test. This is the thing The this is why I think they should, they should uh, push the plunger on the test. It's it's not, it's not good. It's not kind to kids. And, it, and especially now where the, where the thing is adaptive, like if you're getting all the questions right, it'll give you harder questions. I'm a kid, 12 years old. I go in there, I get this question, right? I get the next one. I know it, I don't know it. The next one. I know I don't know it. The next one, I know I don't know it. Immediately in my head, maybe not consciously, but in my head, I'm dumb. I'm dumb. And so then when and, and when you get kids to believe that they're smart, their behavior changes in a way that allows them to be successful, right? And so that's why the test, I think, is just evil. Just absolutely evil. Yes
1: well, I just—it's so refreshing to be back around you <laughs> because this is how I felt in faculty meetings. Yeah, I'm like, Larry gets it. He's addressing <laughs> problems from the root. Yeah. He is ah, absorbing the fear and uh, pressures of the district and the state and the federal government. Yeah. And you, I'm sure, ate a lot of that up so that we didn't feel it as teachers. And so I, that, I think that's—I
2: think that's—that's that's very. Uh, you're very observant. I think, and uh, but like. I thought that was a big part of leadership was, and like at each level, like my job as an administrator in a school was to keep the, the shit off of people so they could do the work. And I think the job of a district administrator is to keep as much as they can off the school administrator so that they can do the work. Hopefully that goes all the way up to the state office folks and, and you know, the federal folks, but um, people get lost, and, and they, they're trying to do a good job. They're working hard. And
1: uh, as superintendent, were you able to do that? Were you able to that? Same well, I only mentality? did it. Th- you know, I
2: only did it one year, and I was doing it as interim. So I, I don't. <laughs> I actually don't know. You know, like people could easily say, you know, what this dude's going to be gone after this year anyway. So whatever. But you know, when I met with the district administrators, all of them, like I told them, I said, like you guys are two of the most important work. Like the, the chance to get to do this is amazing. And this chance to get to do it with you all is amazing and fun. And there are, there are so many brilliant people out there. There are, and and a lot of them are stifled by the system. Like they're brilliant, but they don't allow that. No one allows them to unleash it. Right. Isn't that how, how we all feel in education? Kind of. doesn't, think does, is there anyone who doesn't feel stifled I, by the system? I think, I think kind of, yeah. Uh, like a little well, and especially because, man, yeah, it's so easy to bang on teachers and, at schools, right? And uh, so. so
1: what would you say, so we're talking about soft skills, we're talking about leadership, uh, we had talked about social justice and equity, okay, all these things, just in general, zooming out, what would you say that school is for <laughs> this is a big picture question? <laughs> so both what is school for as in right now, what do you think schools uh, are designed for? And there's also a, there's so many answers to that. What do you think it's it should care. be for? <laughs> right.
2: And, and you know what, but it, what do you think the most honest, is. Is. what do you think but, the most honest answer? Well, is? I think, I think what it should, I think that the, both what it is for service and what is, it should be for. I think, I think, I think teaching some basic skills. Uh, parents are not good at everything, uh, to teach kids some basic skills. Kids should be able to read. They should be able to write. Uh, they should get as much support as they can at home. Some get none. Uh, they should be able to, um, you know, do, uh, do math to some basic level. I don't actually think, I mean, right now, the secondary three that they have to take, dude, nobody uses that math. <laughs> I mean, like, if they do, it's programmed. Like, uh, some people need to know it. Yeah. But kids need to know that to graduate from high school. It's insane. Uh, they should be taking statistics because that's in your everyday life, right? But, but, um, huge. I think I think like you know some basic skills. I think it's very very important for socialization to to be with other kids and to like work with and respect other kids. And I and hopefully some of the things that it does is it teaches kids to value uh, other people's approaches to problems or other people's solutions to problems. And so I think, and problem solving itself, I think is huge. Right. So, uh, so that, and, and then I think uh, this, uh, I think, well, I think being, being respectful of others, I think so it kind of crosses, it all gets muddy, right. It crosses over into socialization. uh, But like, I know that um, I met a guy one time in the physics department at the U and he said, I try to get the most diverse group of students I can get in my lab because they bring their cultural overlays to problem solving and they're different. And so now I'm coming at a problem from 10 different ways instead of one different way. And so like it enriches the the problem solving. I think it enriches the world. Right. And so, I don't know, to me, those are the important things. Some, some content, uh, you know, th- there's going to be some content within all of that. Do you think, so right
1: now the metrics of success that the government has imposed on us is basically standardized test scores. Yeah. That, yeah. The metric of success for a school is how well you do on, right now in Utah, it's the rise test. Right. Uh, do yeah, you, but think, you know what the problem
2: with this thing is? <laughs> I think I do know what the problem is. It's like, oh, okay. Give me a different metric. So, I gotta have something exactly. to say how we're doing. I'm gonna pick the easiest thing I can, and it's a standardized test. Like we could evaluate students. Pro- well, the, to, okay, is there for a me- metric you think that would well,
1: that the government
2: could impose, or what would your ideal metric? Well, here's be? what here's what it is for me. For me, hire good, train good, train good, strong teachers, hire great people, and then trust them. So I would trust you to tell me this kid's skills are great in this. They're great in this. They're great in this. And they need some help here, right? And they need some help here. That's, that's the best level that it could happen at. And that's the best way that it could happen. But that doesn't provide me with a, a sheet full of numbers, right? It, not exactly. It could. It actually, I think it could. But, um, but we don't trust teachers to, uh, to do that. And so the test is, for the students, but we're kind of testing the teachers at the same time. Right. Like if your test scores are no good, I mean, someone might show up at your door and be like, Hey, this ain't cutting it. You know, like we look bad to the people somewhere at the district or whatever state. So yeah. Yeah. That part's kind of broke. I think
1: totally. Is there some sort of metric? (sighs) Like I, this is one that I spitballed and this is a, (laughs) this is a utopian metric here. Uh, if I could design a metric of success for a school, it would be their level of well-being and human flourishment at age 30.
2: Well, exactly. <laughs> if we could check in no, with them at right. age 30 That's and exactly. see how no, they're... We, which, we, we talked <laughs> about that, actually, at, at uh, the Science Center when we were rolling along. And it's like, because there was a kid a specific kid. And I, and I remember we graduated everybody the first year, everyone, because there was this perception that like, not all kids graduate. Why the hell not? Right. All kids should graduate and, and the system should be going at it with that attitude. But we had in the third year, a kid that didn't graduate and he didn't complete, he didn't complete the stuff that he needed to do. And we didn't graduate him. I mean, he didn't do it. And uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was a year later or two years later that that kid got his GED. And so he was like, I think he was 20 when he got his GED. And, and knowing that kid and knowing that kid's life and what they went through uh, a, a little bit. I mean, I didn't know it. I didn't know it intimately. I mean, I knew it from interactions with his parents and things like that. But like, um, it was real hard. That kid was maybe one of the biggest successes, but would not show up that way. The fact that that kid valued education enough to go get a GED when he was twenty—I mean, there was something instilled in him, and, and he wouldn't. There were things he wouldn't do or couldn't do. Uh, you know, he miss a lot of days and stuff. But, but you're right. I think to to judge the system based on how these eighth graders did this year in math, I don't know. <laughs> That's tough. What if all those kids go crush algebra, secondary one? Like, they go in there and they crush it. I bet you those 8th grade teachers did a good job, right? Exactly. And, and if they come into 8th grade, they just crush it. I bet those 7th grade teachers did a good job. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that part of the system's broke
1: bad. Yeah. I mean, even what you said there, you that everyone should graduate. The system should be designed. Everyone should graduate. That's a controversial statement. I mean, yeah. I so agree yeah, with we'll you.
2: Yeah, t- we'll, t- we'll tolerate 20% of them not passing.
1: Right. Like, look what at the happened? high schools in our district.
2: And, what happened? Yeah. Like, there's some things that are, there's a divide there. and When which, I get uh, that we're short on resources and people, like, I mean, you know, because some of these kids, frankly, you know, like, their lives are harder than we can understand. And, like, if I don't have someone that can go out to their house, try to find whoever's taking care of them, whether it's a parent or a grandparent or a neighbor or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> I mean... It's just it takes a lot of manpower, and even now retired, like when I cruise around during the day, I'm like, why the hell is that kid not in school? Why is this kid not in school? I go, I go, I go on my old man walk around Sugar House Park. (laughs) there's kids over there all the time, right? Yeah, like what? I mean, I I know what they're doing. I get it. Don't blame the kids. And we can't blame
1: the kids. We're under resourced, and we're we're pitted against some difficulties, and so we take shortcuts and we use fear use yeah. fear to yeah. manipulate and right. to take the shortcut and to, right. d- I don't know, do you see any room for fear in both in,
2: like, classroom management? Well, I don't think fear is productive. not productive. No. At all? Is, no. is any level of fear productive even, like, what about with no, students No, but who, I, I mean, and I can't say, I, I mean, it's not like I never got frustrated and got, you know, like, pissed off at a kid or whatever, but, like... I mean, even grades fear, on some fear, level fear is fear. Fear freezes people's brains, right? Yeah. <laughs> then you go into your mammalian brain or whatever, and it's like, hey, nobody's going to solve a problem now. No one's going to make a rational decision. And someone might do something really stupid now. I mean, so, like, the fear thing doesn't work because, well, because for a, a lot of kids, especially I think kids are growing up and they're not, f- like, fully developed and everything mentally is, like, I will save face. Like, however this ends up, I'm going to save face. I will not. And so they'll, they'll take whatever, they'll take whatever punishment. They will go back and fight. They will go, they will do exactly what you told them not to do or whatever. If they have to do that to save face. So, um, no, I don't think fear, I don't think fear has any place in education.
1: Love it. I, I feel that. I but I've noticed myself in class, and I and I'll reflect on it and be like, "Oh my god," because I so feel you, and I do a pretty good job of yeah. not letting it's just like shut not, up. Like, yeah, right.
2: God, would you please just shut yeah. up? Like, but you don't... know what? It's okay. I The thing is, I think it's okay. Like, I think it's also really important that, like, yeah, we know this, and then you know, sometimes you lose. You sometimes you lose it. Uh-huh. So, but then you can't like just beat yourself to death over it's like all right i know that doesn't work but Uh man today i was stressed because teachers bring stuff to school every day too they're not the same every day right i mean Uh. maybe they had a disagreement at home or maybe maybe someone the family passed away i mean a million things can happen right the wind can blow and like uh you know somebody cuts them off on the way to work i don't know but people shouldn't be too judgmental on themselves yeah that's all which i agree
1: And, and I'm accepting of my, of the times where I'm not perfect Zen mode, Yeah. but even talking about, okay, we've got a test on Friday. We've got a quiz coming up. Oh, grades are due at the end of the quarter. That's fear. That's a top-down, top not intrinsic. Yeah. That's not this intrinsic, like, oh, I love to learning, or I love to learn, and that's why we're going to yeah. go explore this cool tangent on why the tectonic plates... It's like, well, you've got a quiz on Thursday, and you need to know the tectonic plates. Yeah. Like, that's on one level. That's yeah. fear-based yeah. Uh, motivation.
2: Yeah. Is there room for any of that? Oh Well, I mean, I think the system forces some of that. I think some of that's just kind of... It's just inherent. I think we should, we should continually try to work away from that, you know, and, and know that like it's going to still happen a lot. Yeah. But try to work away from that, you know, and not that kids necessarily like, oh, I just, I I love learning and stuff like that. But it's like, you know what? I like Mr. Matlitch. I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can crush this thing just for him, you know, because that'll work. You do, they'll do it. If they'll do it for me, that's just fine. I don't care. Because in the end, that, what did they leave with? I did it for Mr. Matlitch, and and I, you know what, and I crushed it, and he was happy. Cool. Great. Because they move forward, you know, so it's all good. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. I appreciate you doing this for Mr. Matlitch. My pleasure. And
1: sitting <laughs> down pleasure. and talking. Uh, it's nice to catch up. Yeah, and, good chatting with you. Yeah, thanks, Larry. I,
2: yeah. yeah, appreciate it. You bet. I hope you end up with something there. Ha, ha, ha,